checkpoints around the center of Kabul where this attack took place. But it is possible to, to bribe your way through some of the checkpoints. And there are breaches of security, as we can see, which allow for the Taliban to, to transport explosives all the way into the heart of the capital. That's freelance journalist Sune Engel Rasmussen speaking to me from Kabul. Let's hear now from Martina Van Bylet. She's the co-director of the Afghanistan Analyst Network. It's a Kabul-based political research organization, and she's lived and worked in Kabul for many years. I spoke to her earlier and asked her what goes through her head when she hears about attacks such as the one that took place today. The main thing that you think and that everybody thinks is, um, you know, not again. And we immediately go to the roof We try to guess where it is, how big it is, what the consequences might be. But the main thing that you think is not again, because you just know, you know, there's going to be a lot of casualties again. On this program, we reported last week the announcement from the Taliban that they would begin their spring offensive. And and this looks as though this is the beginning of the manifestation of that. Is that something that shifts the way in which people behave inside Kabul when, when there is knowledge and an announcement made by the Taliban that they're going to ratchet up their activity? Well, the announcement of the spring offensive is practical, but it also has a propaganda value. And it, it's a way in which the Taliban tries to project itself. So on one hand, people are a little bit on edge because they realize that the Taliban will want to show something for themselves. And on the other hand, an attack like this it does fit a certain pattern, even though it's horrible to say. This was a very big one. It had a lot of explosives. It was an area where there were a lot of civilians. But the type of attack fits the pattern of attacks in urban centers and particularly in Kabul. Well, given that you talk about a pattern and also the, the fact that an announcement was made, however much it fits into a propaganda model by the Taliban that they're going to start this spring offensive, what, what are we to make of the, the level of security, the level of intelligence that the authorities have? Well, there's regular announcements that the authorities have been able to prevent and to stop such attacks from happening. I mean, some of it might be exaggerated, but there is there is an actual very active intelligence presence and attacks are being stopped. But obviously there are holes. And even if it was better than it was, it's really hard to stop every single attack in any country. And, and do, does it also, though, tell us a fair bit about how united the Taliban are? Ever since the death of Mullah Omar, there's been factions, there's been uh, disagreements and power struggles. So, so there is a certain uh, element of disunity, but it hasn't affected their operational capacity very much. As somebody who has watched the, the comings and goings inside Kabul for, for, for more than a decade, I, I wonder how confident and reassured you are by the government saying that they are in control and that they can manage this situation. Well, the government is is clearly trying to give a message that they're standing against the Taliban, that they're not as weak as it looks from the outside. Um, They're trying to rally the people around the security forces and, and the army. It's clear that they're not fully in control. It's clear that there are weaknesses. But there is also a mood among the population Uh, where people actually want to be proud of their security forces, even though they're very critical of the government. And this kind of mood that says, um, last year was really hard and we felt really unsafe, but we did get through. Presumably an attack like the one we've seen today will will hit that morale very hard. Well, it goes both ways because it, it also leads to messages where people say, we have to stand up against this, we have to unite. The hospitals are full of people giving blood. 
people are looking for ways that they can actually do something and not just be victims. That was Martina Van Bylert, co-director of the Afghanistan Analyst Network. Now, an online television series in Iran, the most expensive production of its kind, has become a show that has millions in the country glued to their screens. What's surprising about the series is that it depicts Iran under the late Shah, so reviled in the wake of the Islamic Revolution and the period immediately afterwards, when for a short period of time, Iran had a democratically elected leader. The series appears to be striking a chord with contemporary audiences because there are echoes in the country's politics today. Saeed Kamali Degan, who is The Guardian newspaper's Iran correspondent, described first the look of the drama to me. So it's 1953's Tehran, you know, you could see the foot.